This is an ohs.com.au production. Welcome to episode 17 of the Australian Health and Safety Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm joined with Jason Veroni from the Beaver Group. Good morning, Jason. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Now, before we uh, just started a moment ago, you, you, you told me, a, tell me, actually rewind and tell me how Beaver Group got started because you've got quite an interesting um, journey that you've had since the late 1970s. We certainly have. So look, our business was established all the way back in 1978 by my father-in-law, Chris DeLosa, and his wife, Maria, who effectively, um, the, the business evolved from providing um, spare parts for dredges, and the dredge in particular's name was a beaver, dredge, hence the name, the beaver group. Um, from that, back in 78, all the way through to probably the late 90s, the, the business evolved into a couple of different um, streams. So we, we had a business called Beaver, which specialised in lifting, rigging, and then ultimately working at heights. Um, we had a business called Beaver Engineering that still exists today, uh, specialising in offshore mooring. So anything to do with a buoy all the way down to the anchor at the bottom, um, we specialise in not only new systems, but obviously refurbishing current ones as well. So the business has had sort of quite a few different stages in its life. Um, but probably the most interesting one was that back in about 2005, uh, we had a business called Beaver, which was our lifting, rigging and height safety, as we mentioned. And this business was about a, about a $13 million a year business. Um, we got involved with um, a couple of different other businesses, thought about how do we grow our businesses, and we ended up doing a deal with private equity, which was very interesting. So if you think back to the 2005, it was a whole different financial landscape. Um, yeah. There was quite a bit of uh, capital around for business to evolve. So we went out and actually bought 18 businesses within 18 months. And, and so that, those 18 businesses, were they scattered around Australia or was it international? Totally, totally Australia. Um, yep. The idea was uh, we wanted a business that controlled the supply chain. So yep. we had control of the manufacturing all the way through to the end user. Amazing. And so what sort of market share do you think that you would have had oh, look, once you rolled up those 18 companies? Yeah, look, the business got about $350 million. I would have said that back then it would have been just under 7 or 8% of the market share. It's a quite a big yeah. market when you yeah. roll in industrial and safety and all the different product groups that sit under there. Um, yeah. But that, um, that whole, you know, I think it was a different landscape back then as well. Times yeah. were different, so, you know, people looked at the values of businesses differently. But it was interesting. It was quite a, quite a um, invigorating time. We went through, obviously, the wonderful... Um, GFC with more debt than anyone could imagine. Uh, oh, okay. So you, you you started the roll up in two thousand and five, and then you said GFC that you hit. GFC hit, and then you came through that and sold in. Was it two thousand and twelve? So twenty twelve, we ended up selling the majority of the business to Bunzel from the UK. Okay. So they saw an opportunity to get into this market stronger in that safety space, and, and they bought the entire group, yeah, 2012. Yeah. So 
in that period, my father-in-law reinvigorated himself and started a company called Beta Technology Services, which is effectively BTS, and yep. it is um, um, our um, engineered height safety specialist business. So, did so you have, after you sold in 2012, was there, I'd imagine there would have been some kind of non-compete for X amount of years? Well, no, the good thing was our sale was considered all the way back in 2005, so our non-competes had run out by 2010. Oh, wow. Okay. So, by the I, time the, the new owner had come along... Because you, you sold your original business into the greater collective, I'd say. Is correct. That, yeah, Correct. okay, got it. Correct. So we were quite free to go out and reinvigorate and reinvent. And you know, this time we sort of looked at the market and understood what we thought was missing. And that was this whole theory about what do I connect to when I'm working at height. So um, in our previous life, it was all about harnesses. And I think in our peak, we were probably about 20,000 harnesses a year. We were manufacturing here in um, Sydney, Girawin. Back wow. in the, um, yeah, which was phenomenal. But, but that was when height safety was in its infancy. Um, so to give you a, probably an idea about the value of goods, so we were selling a harness for entry level at about $160, $70 back then. Yep. Where today you probably buy that same harness for 40 45 Wow. I mean, it, the, the story that I'm hearing here is a, a story of innovation. So... Uh, how has innovation played into what you guys do today? Look, key part, um, to continue on and doing what we do um, to try and be, I suppose, what we call cutting-edge market leaders, you need to be able to innovate and produce products. I mean, anyone today can make a harness effectively. Um, so you need to probably look beyond that and see, well, what are the other... Uh, opportunities that exist in the space. So we understand the space. We've lived and breathed it for 20 years. So when you've got that um, understanding of a market, it's quite easy to start to be innovative in areas that, you know, you see opportunity. And so are you still manufacturing in Australia or have you had to go offshore in order to compete with, I guess the market's a little bit more crowded now? Correct, or correct. There's not that many uh, players left today manufacturing harnesses in Australia. Yeah. A lot of them have moved offshore. There are still a few players left. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the products that we manufacture today, we assemble here in Durawin. So we'll, we manufacture components all over the world, bring them all in here and assemble them. Yeah. So it's the kind of like designed in Australia, made by componentry overseas and then assembled back in Australia. So I guess... You could probably say it's Australian made. Look, with the amount of um, tile labour is the key um, ingredient. The amount of labour that we invest, um, you'll yeah. find that the actual cost outweighs the cost of the raw material. So, yes, yeah, you're wow. correct. It, it becomes an Australian manufactured product. And so, with your with your height safety equipment now, are you do you focus on certain industries? Like, is there certain sectors where yeah, so you've got, you've got a foothold in? Absolutely. So our system started at 20,000, go all the way up to 100,000 for a system. Yeah. Um, so the mining resource sector has adapted to it um, very strongly um, yeah. and very quickly over the years. 
Yeah. Um, they've allowed us um, to get our products out there. So the mining resource has been a big player in, in this space. But yeah. over time, we've, what we've been able to do is develop products that become more what I call price sensitive. And we've even now launched about six months ago a um, nationwide rental program. So to try and open up the market. Um, so let's, yeah. for example, take a builder who's doing skylight work on a house. He's not going to spend forty or fifty thousand dollars on a on a trailer to um, do a job that really is going to take him a couple of days and the way he goes. So what we've done, we've able to give those products now to that market by renting them, and for as little as what hundred and fifty a day, you can yeah, effectively wow. have a system um, seven meters high in the air that allows two people to connect to and work. And so, how much is do you think like health and safety legislation has driven your market, or is it? Oh, are there other drivers? Are there other drivers no. as well, though? Like, no. Look, look. Uh, <laughs> the reality is, everyone talks about their concern with, um, with I suppose, safety in the workplace. But when you start looking at the dollars, it's amazing how people change their way of thinking. Um, yeah. So, uh, what enforces that is the legislation. Because I yeah. think if we allowed it to be uh, open to the market, I think you would find that there would be a huge gap that would start to be in terms of the quality of products, in terms of even people using products, uh, and then we'll start to see deaths in the workplace rise again. So I think the current form, the way our country runs, and we get obviously we export as well, so we get to see quite a bit around the world as to how everyone works with safety. But I think Australia's right up there at the moment. I mean, we, we take it to probably the highest levels in the world. Um, but it also reflects in the in the terms of the, the, the amount of people that actually die at work. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just sort of, I'm thinking, bringing it back to some of the building projects that I've done myself, and I've, I've never, ever seen any of the resi builders being up on a roof connected to a harness. Correct. Um, but uh, I guess it's a, it's... It's vastly different when you've got a corporation, you know, a mining company. I mean, if they have an accident, it's going to, you know, there's reputational damage, there's there's cultural damage, uh, and then I guess that they have the regulators breathing down their neck as well if they're not doing the right thing. Absolutely. I think you know, that mining industry is, in a way, could be over-regulated the way it, it, it goes about it, but it's reflected in, I suppose, their um, their high safety um, the results that they get at the end of every year, which when they sit down, and at the end of the day, we want everyone to go to work and come home, and that's probably got to be the guide um, yeah. that anyone works with. Um, you know, having people, having systems where you say, we're only allowed X amount of incidents a year. Well, guess what, guys? We shouldn't be having any incidents. Um, yeah. It should be zero incidents, and it should be everyone goes to, goes to work and comes home safely every day. And so... How- how has it felt sort of reinventing? You know, you had the big the big roll-up. and yes, were, you invo- yes. were you involved with that integration of all those different businesses? Absolutely. Joseph? I was there from the beginning till the end, literally. Um, yeah. I ended up as CEO of the group, and um, in the end it was, um, you know, seeing it all sort of come to fruition. The yeah. reinventing, um, look, it's probably tougher than what we would have ever imagined. We've invested millions. Um, yeah to get to where we've gotten. It's taken us probably five or six years just to get to this stage where yeah. you have a range that you know um, is going to do what it's going to do. 
Yeah. Um, you know, when we say someone is going to save someone's life, it better do the job. Um, yeah. Otherwise, uh, you know, in terms of reputation and and future for the business, we only need one accident, and 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 it can oh, destroy right. business. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then, so how many staff have you got there now? Look, we've got thirty in the group. Yeah. Um, in total, um, in um, different arrays. I mean, we've got manufacturing, we've got obviously warehousing, we've got yep. two design engineers that are critical in making sure that um, you know what what the products that we're actually making do what they're going to do. So we're we're NADA accredited test house, so we do all our own internal testing. Okay. So nothing goes out without you know um, some form of testing, and we've probably invested over a million dollars in testing facilities. Um, wow. to ensure that everything does what it's supposed to do. And do you do anything around, um, I don't know, like stakeholder engagement, for example, I don't know, getting the regulators out just to have a look at what you're doing or getting the government involved in some way? Mm. Or Look, we work with lots of different, I suppose, industry groups, bodies, unions. I mean, ours is about educating. Um, you know, we yeah. keep saying to people, we, we need to educate people. Uh, people say, oh, "What's what's the what's the legal height that you can work at without any, um, I suppose, any any form of um, safety gear that I need?" Well, up until I think about a year and a half ago, a couple of years ago, they used to mm-hmm. actually put in the standard. I think it was a couple of meters, one point three or eight. Don't hold me to it. Yeah. Um, today it's falling from one level to another. Okay. If you think about it, it makes sense. Yeah. It doesn't matter what a level could be. You could yeah. be. 300, 400 up and fall and hurt yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, um, so you're based in New South Wales. Do you have any yeah. other offices or, or sales reps? Look, we or have like other sales people in regions. We try and keep the, in terms of um, the majority of our products here. So if we, if we, if we um, you know, delivering a, a trailer to site, we'd like prefer to have it all done and tested here. Um, ready, packaged and delivered, ready to go. So there's real no need to have, say, warehousing or manufacturing around the country. So we centralise that and that also definitely keeps your costs down. Um, But definitely you need a a sales network and we have what we call strategic partners in certain areas that we might not be able to service. Yeah. And so I'd imagine with your gear, there'd be a lot of word of mouth as well, like if, you know, they see your product in in situ, and yes. and then they yes. go, where where did you get that? And that was awesome. <laughs> that mining resource sector is obviously a, a clear example of that, where people tend to move around quite a bit. Um, yep. So you know, we're now at that stage where someone says, oh, look, you know, I bought one of those, used those on a Rio site, I'm now on an FMG site, and yep. away we go. So a lot of it is about word of mouth. It's, look. Um, uh, social um, in terms of media, and when we talk about social media, we talk about things like LinkedIn, um, yeah. where we try to get as much information out there to people to make them aware that you know these products exist. So you know, we, we 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 work on the same principle. No one sort of is going to do a Google for a height safety trailer because they probably don't know it exists. Yeah. So we've got to capture their attention to show them that we have these solutions. So you, so sorry, I think I might have misunderstood that. So you've actually got a, a trailer that would go out to site. Is that how it? Absolutely. Like a, so yeah, we've wow. got quite an extensive. So we've got three trailers that go. Mm. One trailer goes up to 12 meters in height. Yeah. 
yeah. and can have two men connected. So think about those big diggers that you see out in the middle of a mine site. Yeah. They're digging away, and if they've got to do some service work, it's quite costly to bring that unit all the way back into the into the shed. Uh, I get uh, it now, yeah. So you've so got what you're mo- you're mo- completely mobile. And you Correct. Can just go r- so you right might need to get two guys to go and fix some hydraulic hoses up the top. Yep. They connect themselves from the bottom. First step that they take up on a ladder or however they're going to access onto the unit, all the way up until the top, they're connected. Fantastic. And then we've got fixed units. So we've got units that sit on 3.6 tonne um, bases and we've got one that sits on a two and a half tonne that you can move around a, uh, a workshop or a warehouse or an open air facility outside. Yeah. So we've got a couple of those units, for example, doing some work for the Department of Defence at the moment in the dry docks. So, you know, they're okay. setting up the wooden wedges for the boats to sit on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a couple of units sitting there as the guys are installing and climbing all over them and hammering them into place. They're connected. Wow. So is there, like, is that a bit of an innovation being able to do this sort of thing or is it? Absolutely. It's, yeah. The nice thing is there's no other, there's no one else to go to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not as though someone can say, oh, geez, I've got six choices here. We're yeah. probably the only people doing it in Australia. Wow. And, and then you were saying this is a thing that you're now looking to open up to being able to rent by the day or is... Absolutely. So some yeah. of the units are weekly hires, um, just depends yeah. on what they are, monthly if they're, you know, if they're bigger type units, but that's created, that's opened up a whole new world for us and it probably works in our advantage because it gets people to see the units in action. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Or they could do the try before you buy or... Correct, correct. Any of those things, yeah. So what we try to do is take away all the reasons why we... Why we can't. And, the, and the number one reason that we get from customers at all levels is I don't have the, the capital to buy that piece of equipment. Yeah. Not in our budget, yeah. can't afford it. Um, yeah. They're all the negatives. Now, they all need it, yeah. but the cost becomes inhibitive. So the rental program cuts that out. So, well, you can rent it for as little as, like we said, 150 a day. Wow, that's incredible. And, and then I take it you can do confined space work with them as well? Or? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the units that we've got now, I don't know if you've heard, there have been a couple of deaths in the last 12 months in Melbourne with shoring. Right. So there have been, while they're digging the holes and setting up the shoring, people have fallen, two, two gentlemen in particular have fallen in and lost their lives. Oh dear. Again, shouldn't happen. So we've got yeah. a product that um, effectively is an anchor base, about a 1.6 tonne anchor base that you yep. sit five, ten metres off the hole and you can yep. connect two men to it and they can walk up to the hole, do do what they need to do because they've still got to physically access um, and do work around the hole as they're, as they're digging and putting in the shoring panels. So this yep. system um, effectively restrains them from falling in. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, look, this has been really interesting to hear a bit about what you're doing. It sounds very... Um, Innovative and, and exciting. What what are the plans for the future? Are you going to do another roll up or too Look, early to say? We're always looking <laughs> for opportunities. The nice thing is that we're always looking for opportunities. Um, that's a definite. Um, if we can, you know, basically look for companies that we can see the synergies that we can get the growth out of. Always on the table. We're we're looking at a couple as we speak. Um, yep. International is a big opportunity. There's a, I think a huge market, but 
again, we take that very, very cautiously. Um, we pick the markets that we want to play in. You've got to find the right partners in those markets. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but the, we have an advantage um, in the fact that, you know, we, we're from a manufacturing base, we're seen as a high-quality manufacturer, um, which is important at this, in this type of environment when you're working in safety. So I think the international side over time will develop. Um, I think we've still got a lot of work to do here in what we call Australasia. There's, um, there's quite a few mines we service today in Papua, West Papua, um, that, that we only are probably just starting to, to scratch, scratch the bottom. Scratch the surface. Yeah, yeah scratch the yeah. surface, I should say, of, um, yeah. of where we're trying to get to. So look, plenty of opportunities, and um, you know, for us it's just about head down and keeping the focus on what we do. Oh, that's excellent. Okay, well, look, we're going to wrap up the interview now. I've just got a few short questions to ask you. Um, yes. Can I ask how old you are? I am 51 this year. 51. And then uh, what do you like to do to keep active? And I go for a walk every night with the dog. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. And um, how many hours sleep do you get each night? Not much. <laughs> um, Sounds like you're too busy with the with the business, Jason. Yeah, look, I just the nature of the beast, I suppose. I'd probably get six hours if I'm lucky, good ones. Yep. Okay. And do you have any personal goals you're looking to achieve in the next twelve months? Uh, look, uh, I'm probably not the sort of person that sits down and, and sets goals um, I, in terms of you know what do I want to be, where do I want to achieve. I just put my our focus on. What the, yep. what, the, what the end goal is, I suppose, which is to, to grow a business successfully and you know, create yep. an environment for employees to, to flourish in because you can't do it without the people in the business. Um, yep. and, and that's probably going to be the, the driving force for us. Fantastic. And then if people want to find out a little bit more about uh, what the Beaver Group does, could you give us your website? Absolutely. So if the, probably the best website to go to is BTS Tech. So that's btstech.com.au. That's great. Okay, Jason, thanks very much for coming on the show today. Pleasure.